We are in week three of this series through uh, the book of Colossians. It's actually a letter, and it's called Greater. And if you want to get your copy of God's Word and get ready, we're going to be in Colossians chapter two. You know, sometimes I preach uh, through a, a, a topical series, and sometimes we go through a book and just walk through that uh, verse by verse. This is one of those occasions. And I would say I know exactly when this series is going to end. I'm a big planner. Uh, for those who know me, uh, I, I just like to plan. And uh, so, but I'm, I'm just going to let you know that I, don't, I really don't know an exact end date of when this series is going to go to. Um, I have a, a, a plan here of my sermon about when I'm going to stop and where I'm going to stop at, um, on what verse here in chapter 2. But you know what? God may have different plans. And so we're going to follow him, and wherever I stop, we're going to start there again next week for Mother's Day. But um, Paul the Apostle wrote this book of Colossians, this letter uh, to the uh, church at uh, Colossae. And it's interesting about this church. He had never met this church. He, 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 he's writing a letter to a church he's never even met. He's never even been to. And so he is, um, he's also writing this letter while in house arrest there in Rome. So he is in prison and house arrest and writing this letter. And the purpose of writing this letter is really against the heresy that's coming against the church and against false t- uh, the false teaching that's coming against um, this church. It's not surprising <clears throat> that false teaching is infiltrating into the church, especially in Colossae and the church of Laodicea. You remember, we talked recently about the church of Laodicea, how um, they're lukewarm, they're not hot or cold, and, and Jesus actually speaks uh, to them in the book of Revelation as one of the seven churches. But th- th- the church of Laodicea, which is just a few miles from the church of Colossae, is another church that Paul did not uh, visit, but Paul um, is actually, he actually mentions this in, in chapter two in, Coloss- in the book of Colossians. But these churches in this area are basically in the heart of Rome, the Roman Empire. And so Rome is, Rome is huge. Just to give you an idea, the Roman Empire was 4,200 miles across. So just put that in perspective, the United States from sea to shining sea is a little over 3,000 miles. Okay, United States is huge. Roman Empire, 4,200 miles across. I mean, that's huge. And, uh, and also, Rome ruled the world, was the ruler of the world for 1,500 years. That's amazing, 1,500 years. The United States has been around for about 245. I'm not sure if we're gonna get to 1,500, to be quite honest, <laughs> the way things are going. But God's in control, amen. Uh, but there was a tremendous amount of confidence and even arrogance in the false beliefs that, that came out of Rome and spreading through. So you got Colossae and, and uh, the people there in the church that they were right in the heart of the Roman Empire. So Paul talks much about the greatness of Christ. Christ is greater. And we can have a greater life if we are united with Christ, and that's why this series is called Greater. That's really his theme throughout this letter of Colossians, to the Colossians, is this idea that Christ is greater. He's greater than anything that can come out of Rome. So as, as Paul talks about the false teachings um, to the Colossian believers, he's, he's uh, including the reliance on worldly-based philosophy, Jewish legalism, and even some mysticism. And all of these are kind of part of a philosophy known as Gnosticism, which is a, a belief that taught the world was created and ruled by a lesser divinity than God, and that Christ was even an agent or messenger of the supreme deity. It's crazy. And so this idea of Gnosticism or this false teaching was infiltrating into the church. And Paul hears about it and he's, and he's writing this letter. Now you may say, well, Frank, that's great. That's great that, that this false teaching was, uh, was being countered by the, the, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that Paul wrote this letter uh, to the believers there. But what does it have to do with me? I mean, that was, that was a long time ago, Frank. I mean, I, I don't think there's really much Gnosticism or false teaching that's 
being infiltrating into the church, or really even the United States, well, if you believe that statement, you're hiding in a hole somewhere. Uh, There's definitely false teaching. (laughs) There's definitely false teaching that's coming into not only our culture, even in the deep south here, and in our community, and definitely in our church. It's disguised differently. It's, it has a, a nice disguise. It's deceived. You know, it's all being brought by the great deceiver, Satan himself. So to help us live the greater life, again, it's called greater, to help us live the greater life in Christ, we must do a few things. And, and the first thing I want to talk about, which is right off the bat, is we must protect from false teachers and false teaching. So if we look at uh, Colossians chapter 2, verses one through two, we, uh, we see this as we dive right in. So two, Colossians two, one through two. I want to, you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart and united in love so that they may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, so Paul is saying, uh, he, he is uh, talking about false teaching and being able to be able to protect against false teaching in order to live this greater life. Well, what does it mean to uh, be on guard and protect our church, to protect one another, to protect your family, to protect yourself from false teaching? Number one, we've got to be able to promote unity. And he talks about this in verses one through two. Be able to protect this unity. This unity will come uh, to, uh, to this church and to us as we grow spiritually. So we'll have the full riches and complete understanding, which is to protect us from teaching, uh, from the false teachers. Unity is essential. Unity is essential to the church's health and witness. Satan's strategy is to divide us. When, when we are divided, when Satan gets to where a, a family member in your family or a, a family in the church is, is sort of divided and left aside, then that's when false teachings and deception comes in. We, we are, we're, we're going through, and some would say we're continuing to go through this pandemic of COVID. During this COVID time, this pandemic, we have had people, not just our church, but the, the bride, the big church, the big C church, we have seen members, we've seen people be separated from the bride, and you have this sort of scattering of people. Now, thanks to technology, there are people who are watching online to where you can be a part of this, but not everybody is watching online. Not everybody is participating. I, yesterday, we had, there was a community event in downtown Cartersville, um, and I was able to talk to, uh, to someone that um, was involved in, in a, a large church here in, in Bartow County, and I knew this person. He's a, he's a leader, and a, even a leader in, in, a, in our community, and I asked him how things were going at this particular church, and he's like, well, I haven't really been there in a while. Just, we're really just kind of floating, and I was like, floating? He's like, Really? And uh, I mean, I, I wasn't questioning him just to, as, as, a, as a way to condemn him. I was just questioning just to find out where his heart was and why, why was you know, his family just kind of floating around. But what has happened is even Christian leaders, I mean, this guy was a small group leader in, in this particular church. And so when, when you get things like COVID and this excuse and you get people separated, away from one another, you have disunity. And because of that, Satan sees that. And, he, and he's like a roaring lion, and that's how lions attack. They don't attack a herd. They, they attack when someone is away from the herd. That's how lions attack. And so, like a roaring lion, he is attacking, and that's how he does it. So, I'm so glad to see that you are in church, or, or, or those here watching online are a part of what we're doing, what God is doing. So we need to protect the, from false teaching by promoting unity. The second way to protect against false teachers is to keep searching for the hidden things of God. We see this in, in three, verses three and four. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom 
and knowledge. I'll tell you this so that no one may deceive you by fine-sounding arguments. So what Paul is saying is that Paul tells us that everything we're looking for is hidden in Christ. We have to chase Jesus. We've got to be chasing him. Suzanne tells me that quite often. You want me, you got to chase me. Now, I know some of you have this image of our house where we're literally chasing one another, and I'm not gonna, that, that may or may not be true, <clears throat> but, but the idea that I've got to chase my wife and, and meaning that I've got to, you know, talk to her, romance her. And ch- chasing means, you know, sending her text messages, you know, with or without emojis. And to be able to send um, those sweet messages to her or to uh, speak with her and talk with her and just invest in her. And so if I want more of my wife, then I need to chase her. And in chasing her, I find out more things about her. Well, it's the same way with Jesus. We need to chase him. You know, there's mysteries in Christ. There's a mystery in Christ. There's a mystery with my wife. Guys, there's mysteries in your wife, right? There's mysteries hidden in, the, in, in their beauty, in their soul, how God has wired them. They don't just open up with everything. You have to, you have to search. You have to chase, just like Jesus. We have to search for him. For those mysteries, we must always be on the hunt for the hidden things of God. So, if we're always on the hunt, then we're not going to be worried about false teachings. If we're hunting and chasing after the things of God, after the things of Christ, the mysteries of God in Christ, in His Word, then guess what? We're not going to have time for the false teachings. And if we teach others to chase after him, what does it look like to chase after God? Have a personal quiet time. Spend time with him. Have his time in a small group. Be in a church. Chase God. Chase the things of God. Being after his word. Dive into his word. Get on your knees in deep waters of prayer and pray and ask God. God's been teaching me some things about prayer. He's always been teaching me things and as you grow. And, but one thing I've, I've been learning is that there's got to be a connection between, uh, between earth and heaven with the prayers. I believe there's, there's prayers in heaven that never get sent to earth. Why? Because no one is praying in power and faith and believing that those prayers are coming down. I believe that with all my heart. And what's loose on earth would be loose in heaven. You, you, have, you have trappings in your life. There are family members who are trapped, people that are trapped in sin in, in their life. Guess what? You've got to loosen those with the power of the gospel and with the name of Jesus Christ. You have to loosen those up. And the prayers of heaven will come down. Literally. So chase after the things of God. Another thing We protect God's people by promoting unity, by chasing the things of God, and then finally by staying spiritually connected. We see this in verse five. Verse five, for though I am absent from you in body, I am present with you in spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith um, in Christ is. Paul is not physically with the Colossians. Physically, he is a thousand miles away from Colossae in Rome, in a prison. And he, yet he is still, still spiritually connected to the body. And he's never even met them. Never even met them. You know, over the past few weeks, we have felt as a family, and I can tell personally, we have felt the connections of the church through the loss of my, of my mother on the same day as the as the um, wedding of our daughter. And we have felt the presence of God and the church praying for us. You know, as a pastor, you spend time and time being poured out, pouring yourself out to where you are empty and empty and depleted. That's why you have to go back to God and get filled. But you, you pour yourself out so much to, to people in the, in the church and and people in the community, and 
to receive that is amazing. Not saying that we've never received prayers of people. We, we always feel the prayers of people, but let me tell you what. We have felt the tsunami of God by you and by you watching online and by our community. We've had people in our community call us. We've had church people call us. And I know some people are like, I just, I just didn't want to call. You know, I'm sure you were inundated with calls, and, but just know I was praying for you. And let me tell you, we have felt the prayers. You know, we, we were, even in Houston, like Paul, a thousand miles away, we, we felt the prayers. We felt the prayers. And know this. When you are connected with the body of Christ, there's a protection against false teaching. You have to be connected. You've got to be part of the herd. You've got to be part of the herd. And so I just want to encourage you to make sure that you stay connected with the body of Christ. So we, we see this, the idea of, of protecting against false teaching. The second thing really Paul talks about is, um, is walking in faith in Christ. And that's a, the, uh, a second way to have this greater life, this greater life that Paul talks about. So again, a greater life, to have this greater life, protecting your family, yourself, your church against false teaching. And then the second thing is walking in faith in Christ. So we see this in verse six through seven. And it says this, so then just as you received Christ, Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thanksgiving. So first of all, a Christian life is marked by faith in Christ. What is Paul saying here? Your Christian life began with faith in Christ, and it must continue with faith in Christ. So you became a Christian. If you became a believer, and if you haven't become a believer, this is how you do it. You just have faith in Christ. You don't do good things. You don't stop doing bad things and start doing good things and start serving on some sort of community board and just do good things. And then you, you know, God says, oh, look at so-and-so and look at how good they're doing and look at the ways they're serving. I think I will accept them into my kingdom. That's not how it works. It's not by good works. It's only by faith in Christ Jesus. And you've got to come dirty, dirty. It's okay. God has a great car wash. He does. And it's a free car wash. And he'll wash you clean, inside and out, inside and out. And so when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, it takes faith to come to him, but also it takes faith to continue in him. Let me use this for an example. If you've ever been to Six Flags, and one of the things my mom did for the past few years is every Christmas she would give our family season tickets to Six Flags. And, and it, it was awesome. I mean, anytime we just kind of needed a free day just to get away, we'd go to Six Flags. And of course, our, our kids love the big time roller coasters. And I'll ride some of them as well. But the thing about roller coasters, especially if you hadn't been on one, uh, in a while, or, or maybe you're trying a new big roller coaster, you gotta have faith. <laughs> you gotta have faith that this teenager who's running the roller coaster and who's making sure you're strapped in, who probably not sure if they even drove to Six Flags, you know, maybe they were dropped off, and they're making sure that you're safe, right? So you gotta have faith to get on the ride. But can I tell you something? You also have faith to stay on the ride. You, never have I once met anyone who said, you know what, as they're climbing that hill, never have I once had anyone say, okay, I'm done. I'm gonna get out of here and I'm gonna go. You, you can't do that. That faith continues through the ride. Have you ever been on the roller coaster and thought, I know I'm locked in, but Jesus, Jesus just, I just wanna make sure we're good. Are we cool? <laughs> 
Are we cool? You know, just I, I want to confess, you know, that time in, in elementary school when I cheated, you know, or, or whatever, or stole a pencil. You know, you go back and you say, okay, did I confess everything, whatever? Just make sure we're right because, man, I just don't know. But it takes faith to continue that ride. And so it, could, it takes faith to continue in your faith walk. When you are walking in Jesus Christ, you need to have faith not only to start it, but to continue it. So first of all, Paul talks about, and he gives us these things right here in verse six through seven. Rooted and built up in him. It says that. Rooted and built up in him. Rooted refers to the foundation of your Christian life. The Christian life is founded on Christ and Christ alone and is not founded on your goodness or your works or your merit. And so if rooted refers to the foundation, built up refers to your continued growth in your Christian life. So if you want to have, have the greater life, you've got to have faith in Christ. You've got to be rooted in him. John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If, you know, you've got to be able to be rooted in Christ, okay? So Paul also says this, strengthen in faith as you were taught. The word translated strengthened in this, uh, in this verse talks about it means to be established or made firm, so don't go be looking for new teaching outside of Christ. Grow in what you know. Grow in what you know. In other words, don't be like, well, I've been at this church for a while, and so I'm gonna kind of explore and see what other religions talk about. Just so wanna make sure that this is the right one. Can I tell you something? That's not living in faith. That's not living in faith. Living in faith is growing with what you know. I don't, I don't know much, Pastor Frank. That's fine. Grow with what you know. And as you grow, you're gonna know more. And your faith is gonna be increased. You're gonna do great things. God's gonna call you to do great things. Like the Harris family. God called them to plant a church in an area they don't know. They're walking by faith. Guess what? Their faith is gonna grow. Guaranteed. Will they have troubles? Yeah. Will they have trials? Yeah. Are they gonna feel like they're not gonna make their next mortgage payment? Yeah. Welcome to the jungle. But they're, they're, going, to, they're going to be rooted and built up. It's a continuation process. And they're gonna be strengthened as they were taught. They're going to walk where they're supposed to walk. They're gonna be planted where they're supposed to be planted. And then Paul tells us uh, in order to have faith in Christ, overflowing with thanksgiving, overflowing with thankfulness. He talks about this. And Paul talk, Paul's already mentioned it a couple of times uh, just in, in the first couple of chapters, but he's gonna mention it four more times in this letter. Being thankful. When we are thankful for something, then we will appreciate it more. It's one thing to be thankful that Jesus saved you from your sin when you received this gift of salvation. But what helps is continue in your faith is be thankful for him speaking to you. If you never open up this word, if you never open up God's word, if you're never on your knees in prayer, you're never going to receive some instruction a little bit of about who he is. And you're never going to be thankful for him. Over the past few weeks, I've been thankful, not only for our church family for praying for us, but God has done something. And I'm actually working on the beginnings of a way to write this down, our experience as a family and what God has been teaching me and my experience as this, as Paulette Bennett's son, firstborn son, I just, I feel like there's, there's a connection <laughs> there, um, and God has been teaching me some things. And one of the things, and, and I'm not gonna really get into it, I, I think there's another time and another place for this, um, and again, as I, as I write about it, and I, I may speak about it more, but I've had an experience a day after my mother passed away. I had an experience where, where my mother has been speaking to me. Now you may say, woo! You know, bring out the snakes, you know. Um, we are, we, we were in a place, I was in a place for about three days 
where the Holy Spirit woke me up and early in the mornings and didn't hear the audible voice of my mom, but heard, but it, it was very much like the Holy Spirit. Not that my mom was the Holy Spirit, but she's talking, communicating with me through the Holy Spirit. And you hear, you know, different stories of, you know, people having dreams and visions and, and this kind of stuff, even, and, you know, even, even seeing or hearing people audibly and that kind of stuff. But, but that, that first morning, that Monday morning, um, I was lying in bed, and Suzanne was there, and she was actually there to kind of experience that. And it was kind of a, a, a download, and she was actually, Suzanne was actually taking notes of everything that, that my mom w- w- was telling me. And for three days in a row, I had that, and I, I just have a sort of a log of, of what the Spirit was telling me, and, but it was in the voice of, of, of my mother. It's just really hard to explain. Um, and so to have that, the day after she died, I'm so thankful for. I'm so thankful for. You know, she, uh, she, she passed away. Her body passed away on, on, on Sunday, early Sunday morning at 2.25 2 in the morning, 2.45 in the morning, on Sunday morning. We were there, me, my brother, and Suzanne. And it's just my brother and I, and of course, Suzanne, her, the daughter she never had. Um, but she, uh, she was surrounded by us, and it, and it took a wedding to bring us all together. It was all part of God's plan. But I believe, and I, I, I'll tell you more about this later, but I believe through uh, what the Spirit was, was, uh, was showing me on the day my daughter was getting married is that uh, my mom passed away earlier that morning, about that afternoon, actually, early afternoon, the day of, of our daughter's wedding. My daughter's wedding was, was uh, 5 o'clock uh, that, that evening, but my mom had already had already gone. There were about 10 minutes where the doctors were trying to get her heart back, and I believe that's when she passed away. I was not there. My brother was. And here I am standing in the wedding. I've walked my daughter down the aisle. It's a beautiful wedding, one of the most worshipful weddings I've ever been to. Uh, our son, Logan, is, uh, is singing a worship song, and we're at the part of the wedding where we are preparing our hearts to receive communion. We're doing communion at this, at this wedding. And so Logan's singing, and, 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 and there's a cross there, and the pastor's there is doing the wedding, and I'm not, I'm not doing the wedding. I'm just dad, right? My, my, my daughter just wanted me to play the most important role of dad. And so I'm sitting here in the front row next to, next to Suzanne, and preparing our hearts for communion, Songs being sung, my, I see my daughter, um, she, is, she bows down in a wedding dress on her knees at the foot of the cross, worshiping the Lord Jesus. And I know in my spirit, I've lost my mom. So in that moment, I stand, and I'm just raising my hands and surrender. And at that same time, I let her go. I let my daughter go to start a new life, and I let my mom go to eternal life. And in that moment of surrender, which I never wish on anyone, it was a beautiful moment. Because that's when I learned that the Lord gives and he takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be his name. But during one of the things my mom has shared with me is say, tell Madison that I was there for the wedding and I saw her bow down at the foot of the cross. She didn't make it to that wedding physically, but she was there spiritually. She got to see the wedding. And so I'm so thankful that, that God spoke to me those few mornings now, I could have said, no, 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 stop the voices, make the voices stop, you know, just, I could have just blocked it out, but I received it. And Suzanne can attest to this. After that first morning, it was just lying in the bed early in the morning. After that, it, it, uh, that communication was done, I just began to laugh 
uncontrollably. It's like she, you know, she left, you know. And it was something that I'm so grateful for. But you know what? You can be grateful for the way God speaks to you through. Now, it may, not, may or may not be through one of your parents have gone on. Or, you know, God does it in many, many, many different ways. But I, can, I know this for a fact. He speaks by his word. He speaks through prayer. He speaks through his church. I'm saying things now that I believe God is speaking to you. And he also speaks through circumstances. He also speaks through circumstances. And so, being having this overflow of thankfulness helps you to have faith in Christ. The, uh, the next thing we, we see, so we, to have that greater life, we, we have a protection against false teaching. We have faith in Christ and we have freedom in Christ. Paul talks about this in, in verse eight. As we look in verse eight, he says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. The word translated by the phrase takes you captive is a word that was used when someone is being kidnapped or carried away into slavery. In other words, this is a strong warning to guard your freedom. You have freedom in Christ. You need to guard your freedom, to stay alert, to be on the lookout for those things that can rob you of your freedom. Why go back to being enslaved in sin? Guard against those things. You gotta walk in freedom in Christ. If you wanna walk in that greater life, you've got to have freedom in Christ. What does that look like? He talks about this. Watch for hollow and deceptive philosophy. He's talking about philosophy not as an academic discipline, but more of a, of a way of thinking about the world, how you view the world around you. And let me tell you what, this, this is really the biggest area we're having in this, in this, this battle is in our, in our schools and in our, our, our universities. You, you, you've got to, that's why parents, oh, it's so important to keep your kids grounded in church. Because guess what? They're gonna go bye-bye and then their, their faith, their walk, not, not saying the, the, the spirit of God, but, but their, their faith is gonna be challenged and they can lose that, that desire for the greater life, for the greater things of God. And so that's why it's important that your kids have got to be in church. We hired, during COVID, we hired a full-time pseudo-pastor, Joe Salvatore, who's on vacation with his wife this weekend. And so we hired a full-time pseudo-pastor. Why? Because we believe in this generation. We believe that they've gotta be prepared for what's to come. So as a church, we have helped, we're helping our families to that. So we've got to be on the lookout, watch for hollow and deceptive philosophy. Paul also says this, don't look to human tradition or basic world principles, worldly principles. Basic worldly principles reverse to the ways of human thinking apart from God. A ways of human thinking apart from God. Again, you see this in schools and in universities. But true freedom is found in Christ alone. Too many people think the Christian life is about rules and regulations when Christ really offers us a life of beautiful freedom. In Christ, you are free from condemnation, free from guilt, free from fear, free from sin. But when you look to anyone else and anything else outside of Christ for your freedom, you are going to end up in slavery again. You've got to be Christ alone. If you wanna walk in freedom in Christ, you gotta watch out for these things and only find it in Christ alone, period. So if we wanna live the greater life, protect against false teaching, walk in faith in Christ, freedom in Christ, and this one, fullness in Christ. Paul talks about it in verses nine through 10. Fullness of Christ, verse nine, for in Christ, all the fullness of the deity, capital D, lives in bodily form. 
And in Christ, you have been brought to fullness. He is ahead over every power and authority. All the fullness of God lives in Christ. Christ is ahead over all power and authority. We see this in, in I'll just share this real quick, Matthew 28, 18, it says, then Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. See, when you live fullness in Christ, when you live in Christ, you don't need to fear anything because of the fullness of God lives in Christ, and Christ is ahead over every power and authority. The powers and authority that are surrounding your life, that are coming against your family, you don't need to fear them when you walk in the fullness of Christ. I have Christ living inside me. You can walk in that authority. It's one of the things my mom shared with me. She said, Frank, you need to walk in the authority of Christ. Yes, ma'am. Just one of the simple little things that, one of the bullet points that I shared, you need to walk in the fullness of Christ. You need to walk in, in the authority of Christ. Walk in his authority. Not my arrogance, but his authority. Because why? Not because of my position. Because of Christ. Not because of good things I've done. Because of Christ living inside of me. The same power that raised Christ from the dead lives in us. We have been given the fullness of Christ. You've already been filled with Christ. Why go to something else? Have you ever been to a bad buffet? Oh, yeah. Now, there's some really good buffets, but there's some, we've been to some really bad buffets. You know, you go to a buffet and you're like, hmm, you see flies flying around, who's sharing the buffet with you, you know. And th there are people in this world who are trying to get their fullness from bad buffets in this world. But the buffet of God is so, so good. One of the things my mom shared, again, the Holy Spirit shared, is that we don't, in heaven, we don't eat because we're hungry. We eat because the food is so good. It's powerful. We don't eat because we're hungry. We eat because the food is so good. He's so good. He is so good. His buffet is so, so good. Chad, your mom, eating that same buffet. Chad lost his mother. We're praying for you. I, was, I had the opportunity to, to, to talk to his sweet mom the day before she passed away. She's ready, man, she is ready. And she's there and enjoying that great buffet. You know what? We could eat from the same spiritual buffet. Why go to something cheap? Why go to something else when you can have the fullness and the power of Christ living there inside of you. So to have a greater life, to have this greater life, we need to protect against false teaching. We need to walk in the faith of Christ. We need to walk in freedom of Christ, in the fullness of Christ. And the last thing I'm gonna to talk to you about, the power of the cross. The power of the cross. And we see that with the freedom from sin. If you're a Christian this morning, then you have been freed from sin by receiving new life in Christ. Paul uses two religious symbols to teach us this truth. Those are circumcision and baptism. We see this in verse 11, Colossians 2:11. In him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. So the pulling back of the layers, not in a skin way of circumcision, but from the sin that was surrounding us, spiritually circumcision, circumcised by Christ. Paul is not talking about physical circumcision, but spiritual circumcision. Physical circumcision was only a symbol pointing to a deeper reality of the circumcision of God with our hearts. 
Paul writes in Romans 2, 28 through 29, you don't have to turn there, but it says this, a person is not a Jew who is only one outwardly, nor is circumcision merely outward and physical. No, a person is a Jew who is one inwardly, and circumcision is circumcision of the heart by the spirit, not by the written code or the law. Such a person's praise is not from other people, but from God. True circumcision is the circumcision of the heart by the spirit of God. So he uses circumcision, spiritual circumcision, as a way of God saying, he is pulling back the layers of sin. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, we have freedom from sin. You have been set free. That is part of living, continuing on the roller coaster ride of faith. You're locked in, believing on that. You are freed from sin. Not just from that one time, but you are continuing to live a life freedom from sin. It doesn't mean that you won't ever sin again. You will probably sin this week. I'm pretty guaranteed that. I will as well. But guess what? We don't have to be bound by that sin. We confess it, we move on, we repent, we go on, and guess what? East is from the west. Gone as we confess that sin. He's faithful and just to forgive us of that sin. So Paul uses circumcision as a symbol. He also uses baptism. We see this in, in, uh, in verse 12. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. Circumcision was a sign of belonging to God's people in the Old Testament, okay? Baptism is a symbol of belonging to God in the New Testament. Baptism symbolizes your identification with Christ and his death, burial, and resurrection. That's why when, when we baptize, and this is just a simple symbol, Okay? There's nothing, there's nothing in the water. There's nothing special in the water. It's a symbol. You are an, this represents you as, an, as a person in, in, who's in your sin. And then when you um, are buried with Christ and you, and you lay down your sin and your death and you're buried in Christ as Christ was in the grave and you raise a new life in him. So that's why baptism, which is, which is symbolic, is important to help you with your faith. You know, I remember my baptism moment. I was 10 years old. Now, I was, I was saved at the age of six. I was a baptized when I was age 10. Baptism didn't save me. Baptism helped me to tell others, hey, Jesus has my heart, and I'm serving him. That's why it's important for you to be, to be baptized, to be dunked, to, be, to tell people of your decision to follow him. You know, whatever happened to Jesus, you're associated with him when baptism. Jesus died, which means you died with him. Jesus was buried, which means you were buried with him. Jesus rose from the dead, which means you were raised with him. That is the power of the cross. And then through that, Paul says you were made alive in Christ, verse 13. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all our sins. You wanna have a greater life? Live a life where you are alive. Living the Christ-centered life, the greater life, does not mean turning over a new leaf, but getting a new life. Doesn't mean you turning over a new leaf to where you're, oh, I just want to be a better person. No, it means getting a new life in Christ. And you can only do that with the power of the cross. The cross will, will free you from sin. Will free you from sin and give you new life in Christ. The power of the cross will do one more thing. Not only free you from sin, and as I close, it will not only free you from sin, but it will free you from the power of Satan. It will free you from the power of Satan. We see this in verse 14 through 15 as we close this up section and as we close today's sermon. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us, he has taken it away, nailing it to the what? The cross. And having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. 
You are free from sin and free from the power of Satan with the cross, the cross of Jesus Christ. It was real. Jesus died on it. Our sin died. The power of the cross. If you want to live that greater life in Christ, it must include the cross. And if you are a, a believer in Jesus Christ, you've already accepted him, but to live that greater life, we, we've got to do uh, the things that we've talked about over the past several minutes. We've gotta be able to protect against false teaching, to walk in faith in Christ, in freedom in Christ, in fullness of Christ. And we've also got to lean in on the power of the cross. The power of the cross is what saves. Have faith in the cross of Jesus Christ. It's real. It's real. Are you ready for a greater life? There's gonna be two options for you today that I'm gonna challenge you with here today and watching online. You can have a greater life that, that one-time decision of accepting Christ as Savior. You say, you know what? <laughs> it's time I surrender my life to Jesus. It's time that I surrender to him. I need to have a greater life, a fullness of life. I'm tired of being bullied by my sin and by Satan. I need something more powerful. You can have that by believing in Jesus Christ today. And the second one is for those who've already accepted Christ as Savior, but maybe you just feel defeated. You feel defeated. I know what it feels like to be defeated. Trust me. A pastor's life is, is a roller coaster, ups and downs. But just know this. It's easy to, to have that emptiness. It's easy to get to a place where you don't, you're not living that greater life. Maybe you've been distracted by things. Maybe, maybe your faith, your walk in faith and, and freedom and fullness, maybe you're, maybe you're walking empty right now. You just need to have the fullness of Christ. You can have that today just by saying, you know, Jesus, I'm, I'm sorry for the distractions. I'm sorry for trying to do things on my own. I need the fullness of you in my life. Come fill me up. Fill me up. And then get back to the word. Get back to praying. Get connected with the church, with what we're doing, what God is doing. You're watching online. You know, get, getting back to what God is doing in his church. So every head bowed, every eye closed, if you would, wouldn't mind, I, I just want to give this opportunity. One thing I told my mother long ago, I shared this at her funeral, is that anytime I get up here, and share the gospel, I will give people an opportunity to accept Christ. Because I promised my mother that. She said, you surrender in ministry. And I remember her bowing low as I was laying on, as I was kneeling with my knees on the ground at Oak Grove Baptist Church in Prairieville, Louisiana, as I was being ordained in the ministry. She leaned over and she said a prayer for me. She said, promise me you will always share the gospel and give people an opportunity to accept Christ. And I promised her I would. So here it is. If you've never accepted Christ as Savior, do it now. Do it now. Either here or watching now or watching, maybe you're watching live or you're gonna watch later. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Still the gospel message. If you're tired of the sin and tired of Satan ruling your life. Just accept him as Lord and Savior. It goes like this. Just say, Jesus, please forgive me. Please, conf I confess my sin to you. I accept you as Lord and Savior. Please come into my life. Be Lord of my life. I'm tired of living on my own. And then tell him, just tell him, thank you for saving you. It's all about faith. A, a certificate from heaven is not gonna float down and land at your feet. <laughs> it's, just, it's called faith. It's called faith. Just like the wind blowing in the trees. You can't see it, but you know it's there. There's evidence. You know 
when the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and knocking on the door of your heart. Just give him your heart to him today. And if you're sitting here today and you just felt so empty, maybe you've been distracted, maybe there's just been some things going on in your life and, and some of those things are, are not your fault. Maybe you, you've had a family member pass away. I, I know what that feels like. Maybe you've been sick or have a family member that's sick and you go through these seasons where things are just dry and you've got to get back to being flooded with the presence of Jesus. Just say, Jesus, come in the fullness of who you are. I, I empty my heart of all these things of myself. I empty my heart of these distractions. I empty my heart of the worries that's, that's flooding my life. I empty that right now. And I ask you to fill it. Fill it to the fullness. I want to have that greater life that you're talking about in Colossians. Fill me up. Heavenly Father, we come before you. Thank you, New Lord, for your word that's been spoken in power and authority here today. Thank you, Lord, for those who, who have surrendered their life to you. And thank you, Lord, for those who, who have acknowledged the fact that they're empty, they need the fullness of you in their life. I pray, Father, you do what you can only do in their life and help us as a church to do what we can do. Lord, we give you honor and glory and praise for all you've done and all that you continue to do. We're, just like Paul says, we are thankful. We are thankful for what, how you're speaking to us. Just don't stop. <laughs> don't stop. We promise, Lord, to be at, your, at our feet toward, toward you and at your feet, at your cross and at your word and prayer. Just don't stop speaking to us. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you, if you prayed that prayer, any of those prayers, I would love to hear about it. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, just send me an email to pastor at lakepointonline.com. Uh, you could do that live or tell me, tell me after the service or if you're watching now or later, uh, just send me that. Or if you just feel like, hey, I, I, I'm just feeling a little empty. I just, just want people to come alongside me. Just let us know. We're here to help you, okay? We're not mind readers, all right? I can't go, at you, go to you and say, I feel like the Lord is, you know, it's, I don't have that gift. But what I do have is, is, is a gift to shepherd. God's given that to me. We want to shepherd you. Allow me to shepherd you. Okay? Because we will. We will. And thank you again for being a shepherd to me and my family during that season. I know what it feels like to be a sheep and to be cradled in the arms of people. Thank you so much. Hey, we're going to continue next week. Mother's Day, don't forget. Uh, next week we got a, that treat for you. We're going to be we're going to continue uh, in uh, Roman. I'm sorry, in Colossians chapter two. We're just going to finish up chapter two next week. Chapter two next week. So we want you to be able to be a part of that. And then the following week is going to be um, Graduate Sunday. We're going to we're going to um, uh, honor five of our high school graduates as they go out to a, a new season in their life. Joe's going to be speaking that day. The youth are going to take over the service. You know, so pray for us on that day. Uh, but that's going to be on the 16th. But next week, uh, Mother's Day, you don't, uh, don't forget. And then also this coming Thursday, day, a National Day of Prayer, 6 o'clock on the 6th, this Thursday, downtown Emerson. Uh, man, uh, we're going to have some chairs. You don't need to bring your chair, but bring a friend. We, we'll bring the chair. You bring a friend. Love you guys. We'll see you all next week. See you all on Thursday.